2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Apostle Paul tells us, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If there was one verse that describes all that we've celebrated tonight, perhaps there's no greater verse than that. That he made him who knew no sin. God the Father sent God the Son on a mission to this earth. And what was the mission? It was to become our sin. Though he had no sin, as the perfect Lamb of God, God in his will sent his Son to kill him so that we might not die. And the Son submitted to that will. If you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed understanding all that was about to transpire. And he said, Father, if it's possible... Let this cup pass over. But the Father told him it's not possible. So Jesus approached Calvary. For our sake, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Good Friday is an interesting title to give this name, to give this day. Because you look at all that we've talked about in that kind of a deal right there. You might say, what's good about that? The righteous Lamb of God, the only one who did no wrong, had all of the wrong in the world put on his shoulders on that day. That he had never sinned, yet he was arrested for no wrongdoing. He was tried unjustly. That he approached those trials with grace and humility. And meanwhile, what are all of his friends doing in his deepest time of need? They're scattering, scattering like sheep. That though he had no sin, one of his best friends chooses to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. His number two amongst his disciples chooses to deny him three times in one evening. And everyone abandons. In fact, just days before, a mob, a large crowd is shouting, Hosanna. But yet days later, the crowd flips and they're shouting, crucify and Jesus is tortured marred beyond recognition is what we're told he's stripped naked and hung on a cross and he's put up there to stay there until he can no longer breathe and he submits his spirit to the father why on earth would we call such a day good The prophet Isaiah, in the 53rd chapter, I think he gives us a little bit of understanding to that question in verse 5. Isaiah said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And here's the key. With his stripes, we are healed. What is good about Good Friday? What is good is that he died so we can live. That is why we call this day good. It's because the son submitted to the will of the father. And what was the will of the father? It was to bring us back home to him. And the only way that was possible was God had to come to earth to bridge a gap. And we call this day good because we're healed through our faith. That Because he took that cross, there was an exchange that Paul describes that now we're declared righteous. 
There's a trade that transpired through Calvary. Our sin is placed on Christ, and then through our faith, his righteousness is placed on us, and that is worth calling good. It's good news. And that's why today we look to this cross with deep gratitude. Our hearts should be filled with thanksgiving today. Yes, today's not Thanksgiving, but there is no better day to give thanks. Today we give thanks, and our hearts should swell with gratitude, but it also should swell with some heaviness, with humility, knowing he was crushed for our transgressions, not someone else's outside of this room. It was for our transgressions. And we must never move past the personal culpability of our own sin. That every single one of us in this room, pastors included, we are sinners in need of a Savior. But praise be to God that he sent us one in his Son. So today we look to this cross with reverence and humility. But I will tell you, we should not look to it with guilt or shame. Because Jesus Christ went on that cross to carry our shame. And that's why Paul says, now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So today, how should we respond as we consider all that Christ endured on this day? I think it'd be wise for us to take counsel from Jesus Christ himself. Because if you remember in John chapter 13, Jesus knew all of this was coming. He understood what was about to happen. So he got his closest friends together in a room. And he started to prepare them. And you remember the way he first prepared them was he washed their feet. Right before his biggest hour where he would be in need, he started meeting their needs, even Judas, the one who will betray him. And Jesus washes their feet because the Son of Man came to serve, not be served. But then he starts to prepare his flock for everything that's going to happen. And in John chapter 13, he tells his disciples some wild things are going to happen. He says, Judas, who's right there in the room, he says, he's about to betray me. And then he told them something even harder. He said, I'm about to leave you. And they didn't like that. In fact, Peter, in all his zeal, you might remember, he stands up and he says, no, it'll never happen. I'll stop it. It won't happen on my watch. And you remember what Jesus tells Peter. He says, Peter, I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And they're all in shock. They all can't believe that Jesus is about to die. He's about to leave them. And as they're considering the heaviness that we're considering today, what does Jesus tell them in John chapter 14? He tells them, let not your hearts be troubled. But he says, believe in God. And believe also in me. That word troubled, terrasso, means to be shaken up, stirred up, turned upside down. And he tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be turned upside down. Don't be broken in this moment. In the same way as we are considering his death, his crucifixion, let not your heart be troubled. Instead, he says, let your heart do two things. He says, believe in God. He says, believe in the one who sent me. But notice he said that's not sufficient. He said it was necessary but not sufficient because even the demons believe in God and they shudder. He says, believe in God, but then what else does he say? He says, believe also in me. 
Because Jesus had told them over and over and over that the cross wasn't going to be the end. It was the beginning. That there will be a day that will come where he is going to come out from that grave as the only one to conquer death on this earth. And he says, don't believe what they're saying and what they're gonna tell you. He says, believe me, that yes, I will rise. And he tells them what he'll do in his new life in verse two. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus says the cross is the beginning, it's not the end. Jesus says, I'm going to go to my Father's house, the one who sent me. And he says, I'm going to make room for all of you that will believe in me. And Jesus says, I'll come again. And even so, Lord, yes, come. He will come again. And he says, when I come again, I'm taking you with me because he can because of the cross. And they're confused in verse 5 because Thomas, in true Thomas form, he says in verse 4, you know, the way, uh, you know the way to get to where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus tells them the way in verse 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, the cross is the way that this is the way jesus tells us there's a great chasm that divides us from god but the cross is the perfect bridge through faith in the son of god he says i will come and get you that where i am you may be also and i want you to hear me today where he is you may be also because of the cross only through the cross. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's only one way. I've shared this before in this room. I don't know where all of you came from. You all came from different houses and locations, but I do know the way you got here. It was 2222, because there's only one way to get to our church. I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you came from. I just know the way you got here because there's only one way to get in this room. And one day, we're going to be with him in that house of many rooms. And we're all going to have one thing in common. We got there through one way, the blood of Jesus Christ, that we were made righteous and he was crushed for our transgressions so that through his stripes we may be healed. And tonight we remember. And we're going to close our time of worship by remembering the cross the way that Jesus told us to. Because in that same upper room on the night of his betrayal, he got his closest friends together for a last supper. And he told them to continue to have this meal because he gave that meal new symbolic meaning. He took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks to the Father and he shared it with his friends and he told them, this is my body broken for you. He said, continue to do this in remembrance of me. But then he took that cup and he told them, this is the cup of the new covenant in his blood 
Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So he told them, as often as you drink, he says, continue to do this in remembrance of me. So tonight, we're going to remember the cross the way that Jesus instructed us to. And that's by ending our service with a time of observing the Lord's Supper. So in fact, in this moment, as everyone remains seated, I'm going to go ahead and invite our deacons that are helping administer these elements. You can feel free to make your way to your assigned table. What's going to happen in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and that will conclude our corporate time of worship in this room. But we're going to transition to a personal, reflective time of worship. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we are going to approach these tables, and there's two in front, two on the side, two on the back, and two on that side. I felt like a flight attendant. They're everywhere these ways. We're going to dismiss tonight a little differently than we normally would dismiss a service. I'm going to invite you to approach one of these tables to remember Jesus Christ. And these deacons will hand you these elements. And as you receive these elements, I'm going to ask you to do some things. First, I want you to examine your heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, actually, we're told to examine before we approach this table. So for the next few moments, we'll have some music going. You can pray. There's no rush. You don't have to run to a table. But prepare your heart. If you need to confess sin, confess sin. If you need to receive Christ, receive Christ. And if you have received Christ, I'm going to invite you to approach one of these tables. Here at ABC, we're what's known as an open communion church. What that means is you don't have to be a church member to approach these tables. We do believe, and the Bible teaches, that you need to be a born-again believer of Jesus Christ. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're visiting from out of town, wherever that may be, we invite you and encourage you, after you've examined your heart, to approach one of these tables. The deacons will hand you those elements, and from there, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Take those elements with you and find some space. And if you came here with your family, I'm going to ask the head of household to help you actually receive those elements. You might say, I've never done that before. I know, it's okay. We're going to have a slide up here that's going to tell you exactly what to say. It's going to be simple. You'll start there with that bread as the head of household. If you're not here with family and you're here with a group of friends, one friend, be the captain. And you're going to take that bread and you're going to remind your group together reverently that this is the body of Christ broken for you. Do this in remembrance of him. and You'll receive that element. And then that person will take the cup and tell those that are in the family or those that are gathering together, this is the blood of Christ. Do this in remembrance of him. And we will have these elements, those words on the screen so you know exactly what to say. After that, and this will be the second part, I'm going to ask for your group, whoever you're with, to pray together. Simply come together and pray. It can be a short prayer, but thank God for the cross. And ask for God to speak to you and through you as we continue in worship heading into Sunday. And after you've received the elements, after you've prayed, I'd invite you to make your way out to the great hall or lobby area reverently. You're welcome to continue to stick around and have conversations. Please just don't do so in this room so we can continue in the spirit of worship. But you are welcome to take those conversations outside. So I'm going to pray. And as God leads, there's no rush. We'll have some music. Make your way to one of these eight tables. Receive those elements. Take them together as a family or family of faith. And then pray. And we'll look forward to celebrating 
the triumphant resurrection of Jesus Christ with you at 9 o'clock or 1030 on Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. And Lord, thank you for the cross. Lord, we know that it is the only way that we can make our way to heaven. Lord, thank you that you opened up that route by sending your son. And Jesus, thank you for living that life we could not live and dying that death that we deserved so that by faith we can have righteousness credited to us. And Lord, where you are, we can be also. So Lord, I do pray for this time as we transition to remember the way you told us to remember. Lord, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified in this time of the Lord's Supper. And may you continue to speak to each of our hearts as we leave here today with anticipation of celebrating the resurrection on this coming Sunday. Lord, we love you. Be honored and glorified in this time. This is our prayer in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.